Welcome to another edition of Torah T on Parshas Vayishlach. And as we do lately, we'll do the first two sikhas in the volume 15. We'll give over, you know, a little bit, a few points of it. And um, this uh, will uh, bring us in together with all uh, other people. Many hundreds of people are studying this particular talk of the Rebbe, so it sort of becomes a worldwide um, study that everybody is studying the same thing. Uh, that's part of the um, of the goal of this particular uh, project that they're doing, they call it Project Lukute Sichas, so that everybody studies around the same thing. Okay, so, anyway, so... What does Vayishlach mean? So Vayishlach means... Uh, and he sent. This is uh, this is talking about the parsha about when uh, Yaakov finally leaves Lavan after being there for twenty years, and he finally gets to leave. Now, if you remember in the very beginning, that was in the portion of Ayetze. Yaakov uh, left his home because Esau was very angry at him because he took away the blessings from him. He took the blessings from Yitzchak. So he was so angry that he wanted to kill uh, Yaakov so that Rivka advised him to leave. And this is 20 years later and she was hoping, uh, Yaakov was hoping that maybe the anger of his brother has subsided. Maybe he is already uh, came to terms, or maybe he's not going to be so angry. But he, uh, we read uh, in the end of the parsha that uh, uh, that that in the beginning of the parsha he says he sends angel to say uh, to see how his brother is, and his brother. Is still very angry. He's bringing four hundred men. He's ready to go and fight against Yaakov. So it's interesting how Yaakov wanted to protect himself. So, so Vayishlach means he sent. So he sent angels or messengers. He sent them to his brother Esau, and he tells him that. I was with Lavan, and I was delayed till now, and he wants to make peace with him. He doesn't want to fight with him. And they come back and they tell him that he has 400 men with him and he is coming to fight. So we read in verse 9, it says like this, Vayomer. So Yaakov said, Im yavo Esav el hamachane ha'achas v'hikohu. If Esau comes to one camp and he smites it. Previous to this Pusik, it says that he took and he split the camps into two. As we'll see, he split the camps into two. He, one of the camp, camp meaning all the people that he brought along with him. So he came with his family members, but he also came with all this cattle that needed 
care and he had all these workers and he had all the attendants, the whole business, the whole operation that Yaakov carried with him. So in this case, Yaakov went and he split between the people, his family that were uh, close to him that he loved, and the rest of the camp. So he split him into these two parts. And he said, if Esau comes to one of these camps, which means if he's going to smite one of the camps, which means, in this case, if he's going to smite the camps of the servants of the cattle, so the leftover camp, that means the people, the family members of, of Yaakov, they will escape. How so? So Rashi explains. How are they going to escape? So Rashi says, against his will they'll escape. Why? Because I'll wage war with him. Esau said, I'll wage war. Yaakov said, I'll wage war against Esau. And because I'll wage war against Esau, so in the meantime, the camp, the people, will be able to run away. That's what he says. And then Rashi continues, and Rashi says that Yaakov prepared himself for three things. When he had to confront his brother, who wanted a fight with him, he prepared himself for, 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 for three things. In the very beginning, Yaakov tested the water. He didn't even know whether Esau wants to fight or Esau wants to make up. He didn't know. So, actually, the very first thing what he wanted to do, he thought, maybe if I send him a gift, maybe if I give him, if I show him friendship, maybe if I show him, because he was hoping or he thought that maybe that anger that Esau had he didn't expect that Esau was in love with him, but he said, He wanted to find favor in his eyes, which means he wanted to appease him. He was hoping that if he buys him a nice gift, he buys him a nice present, maybe that is sufficient. of present status he, was, he didn't know how angry or he didn't expect that the anger lasted for 20 years. Matter of fact, Rashi adds another 14 years to the 20. So it is actually 34 years because Rashi explains that Yaakov was 14 years hidden away in the yeshiva. He was studying Torah. So it turns out 34 years later, so Yaakov was assuming that maybe, maybe Esau isn't as angry. Maybe a present would be sufficient. So he prepared himself for three things. First of all, he prepared himself a gift. 
So he figured maybe a gift is going to be sufficient in this case. But when he saw that he sent the angels and they were trying to uh, I'm sending I'm asking for your brotherhood I'm asking that I want to be uh, make up with you and he responds the angels come back and they say no 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 he is still as hateful as ever he wants to murder you he doesn't want to make up so then he does two more things he goes for a gift uh, for a prayer. So Yaakov prays, Yaakov prays to Hashem that Hashem should help him. Now Yaakov, Yaakov was really upset that he had to go through, Rashi brings down in different places, that he had to go through all this because Yaakov expected that if he reaches out to his brother after all these years it's going to go away. So, he was sort of pushed himself. Hiskin, he pushed himself. He says, no, I'm going to give a gift anyways. I'm going to make it a real big gift. I'm going to make it something so overwhelming that he's going to have to, he's going to have to sort of change his his attitude. He's going to, so that was the thing. And then also, he prepared himself for prayer as well. Because what was Yaakov afraid? Rashi says, Rashi quotes her, that Hashem appeared to Yaakov just before. He says, don't be afraid. I'll be with you. You'll be okay. You'll be protected. So why is all of a sudden, Yaakov praying. But Yaakov, in his state, he was afraid that maybe he's done something wrong. He didn't think that, he thought maybe Hashem promised him, and Hashem said that he's going to protect him. And he believed Hashem, but he thought that maybe he has caused over the time, something that would take away some of that protection. As Rashi says, Maybe I did a sin. So maybe I'm not going to be protected. So, what does he say to Hashem? He say to Hashem, says to Hashem, maybe I don't deserve for myself because maybe I've made mistakes in my life. Maybe I've done things, I mean, even though this was very recently, but maybe... Maybe I've already received all the blessings that I deserve. I've already received. Maybe Hashem has already fulfilled His promise because everything that He's done for me till now. So therefore, but still, He says, Hashem, not in my own merit, but in the merit of my parents, in the merit of Abraham, the merit of Yitzchak. Even if I'm not deserving, even if it's something that I've made mistakes, but he prays to Hashem in the merit of my my father, my grandfather, Abraham, the merit of Yitzchak. 
And finally, he also got ready for war. The last thing that Yaakov wanted to do was war. Yaakov says, it says, Vayiro Vayetzar. He was afraid and he was very uncomfortable going to war. And Rashi is interesting for two things. He was afraid he didn't want to get killed, but he was also uncomfortable he doesn't want to kill somebody else either. He, he didn't want to fight. He didn't want to get killed, but he didn't want to kill somebody else either. He was uncomfortable. He had to prepare himself. And these were different kinds of emotional readiness. On one hand, you are ready to fight. And on the other hand, you are trying to bring a gift and a feeling of brotherly love of connection. So these were like two opposite feelings. A strong stand, we're going to go to war, we're going to win this, and a level of, you know, let's make up, let's work it out. And then you have the part of prayer, which is, you know, let's let Hashem help it, let Hashem do the miracle. But he did all of these three things Yaakov did. This is actually a, a, uh, a lesson to us, you know, how we have to fight the Yetzirah, because Esau, of course, is like the Yetzirah. And while we always talk about uh, fighting the Yetzirah, because the Yetzirah that you take away, you go to a fight. But the language, sometimes we find, like it says in Pirkei Ovis, you got to conquer your Yetzirah. You're not supposed to fight it, you're not supposed to break. If you break a Yetzirah, you get two Yetzirahs, you have two parts. If you conquer, then you sort of overpower, and you turn them around. So, that milchama that you do is also with the uh, intent of turning around that inclination because a lot of time that force that pushes you to do things that are no good, that force, if you can take that force and turn it to good, the force itself is positive. That means you conquer the Yitzhahara because then you're using a force, a very powerful force, but instead of doing the negative, you do it for the positive. Uh, you have a, a, a flood, you have an extreme, a destructive flood, but if you channel it, you create electricity. You know, you can if you take and you channel that force to the positive, then you change it around. And Rabbi, yeah, no, you uh, once commented um, that the Lubavitch Rebbe was very aware of the the teenage years of young men, especially, and so that's why they go and do daring things like rap to fill in and you know do all kinds of uh, McCarvin. Precisely, precisely, yeah. exactly. That was the Rebbe's the Rebbe's vision was that young people have a lot of energy. 
or young people are like a fire. Fire that can and if you don't control a fire, you can burn down a whole city <laughs> you can burn if you don't control the fire. But if you put the fire in the uh in the uh under a under a pot, you put it in the to heat, you can generate tremendous benefit from that heat. So Rebbe always suggested that if you combine the life experience of the older people and their uh, vision of the world with the energy of the young people, then you have a, a real a real force. But I mean, the reality is that the young people think they know better than the older people. So they're, they're both, maybe they do, who knows, but they, they have a, both that force and also that uh, idea, but that excitement. And what, like you said, uh, they really empowered the young people uh, from a very young age, from a very, very young age, really empowered them to go ahead and become leaders and become because they have a lot of energy and and Rebbe also believes that even young people even if they don't have not learned that much also can share what they know you don't have to become a scholar you don't have to become a rabbi before you can start to share with other people Rebbe always said if you know an aleph and a base, and the other person only knows an aleph, it's each and the base. So, I mean, you only you don't know much. Other people will say, "Ah, first go study. What do you know? You don't know anything, and the, therefore you don't have an opinion. You shouldn't say anything because you don't know anything." Well, it's true. The young people they have somebody older, somebody more knowledgeable than them. They maybe shouldn't say. They should you know, sit and listen. But there is people out there that know less. So share what you know with those that know less than 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 than, than you know. Share with them. And so the Rebbe would take, like for example, he would send out, we were young students, and the Rebbe would send us to go to the shuls, the different synagogues. And yeah, can imagine, you know, a young little... Uh, Bachar, you know, of 17, 18 years old, goes over to the rabbi in the shul and says to the rabbi, <laughs> I, I once had an experience in Israel. Uh, there was this, uh, this was this, there was this Rosh Hashiva over there. I, I don't know where I got that chutzpah from, but, you know, his big Rosh Hashiva is sending, is giving, uh, he has hundreds of students that are sitting, singing Shalashudas beautifully. And I come over to him, I said, you know, uh, uh, can I say a few words <laughs> from the Lubavitcher Rebbe? <laughs> so he says, here I'm the Rebbe. <laughs> but, you know, but if you think about it, he used to go around to all the different shuls, he was a respected rabbi, and here a young fellow comes up and says, look, I want to give over some different Torah from, you know, from the Lubavitcher Rebbe, and most cases they would allow you to, and they said, fine. But the Rebbe trained the young people uh, to go ahead and empower them.
today we call that chutzpah. But, you know, to walk over to somebody in the middle of the street, are you Jewish, you know? <laughs> that takes chutzpah, you know? I mean, are you Jewish? Do you want to put on? I mean, you're Jewish. You know, so they would say, well, mind your own business, you know? <laughs> what different, you know, today, how many religious, outstanding, important from families came around through, are you Jewish? Would you like to put on tefillin? You know, that there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of them, of people who were makarif through that one question, are you Jewish? Would you like to put on tefillin today? So we call that chutzpah. That would be called chutzpah. But young people have chutzpah. But instead of having chutzpah and putting tattoos all over their bodies and rings piercing, piercing every part of their body and doing crazy stuff, Rebbe channeled it to do good stuff, you know, to, to, to make a difference, make this place for a dwelling place for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That was the thing. So that's, in a way, in essence, you're right, this is the Melchama. But it's, it's interesting how one needs to, we inevitably in our lives, sometimes we have somebody that we get them upset. We may be upset at someone, or sometimes... You know, uh, we we upset other people. Sometimes other people upset us. And here we learn that you have to do, you know. So maybe we should give the class to the men what they need to do. If they ever say something wrong, they should buy a gift. <laughs> no war, though. <laughs> the, the war, we don't have to teach them. They do that on their own. But in any event, the Rebbe's point over here is these were all difficult things for Yaakov. Yaakov didn't want war. And a lot of times you find it in your life that Hashem puts you in situations. He places you in situations. And you have to respond to the situation that Hashem puts you in. Maybe that's not a place that you would choose to be. A lot of times people would rather sit peacefully, as we'll read in next week's parsha. Yaakov wanted to sit peacefully. He didn't want to have all these dealings with Lavan and with Esau and with Yosef later on. And Hashem says, you know, you have to, this is the things I have for you that you need to take care of. So this particular incident, is Rashi uses the language over the Hiskin, this was something not that Yaakov wanted, and it's also a conflict of different emotions between the gift and the fighting and the prayer. But the, the order is very important over here. The order of the verses. Uh, first, it seems, it doesn't seem like He he prayed the first thing is one would think um, one would think that if a person is in trouble, what is the what is the first thing that one needs to do when a person gets into trouble? If you have a problem, one would expect that the first thing 
is you should pray. That would be the first thing. You should pray to Hashem. And then you go to the other, use the other uh, means to your disposal to try to, to remedy the situation. But in our Pasuk, it seems like first thing that Yaakov did when he felt that he was in trouble, the prayer came later on. That was seemed like a second uh, step over here for Yaakov. Seems in the Pasuk, uh, first he, this is in the, in the verse, first he First he split the people. And then, and he says, I'll fight him. And then he prays to Hashem. Then he says, Vayomer Yaakov, Oh Hashem, you are the one that told me, you promised me. I've already uh, gotten everything that I deserved. So, why did Yaakov not First thing you should have said, verse 10, Yaakov says, God of my father Abraham, versus starting off with splitting the camps and, and making sure, why did he not first start off with the prayer? That was, seems to be the natural way. And the Rebbe says that God has given Yaakov the promises for the family members, which means Yaakov, before Yaakov can pray, he wanted to separate. He sort of said, Hashem, if I have to lose my wealth, if I have to give up some of my prominence, okay, if that is what you want. But first he wanted to split between the people that were with him and his family members. And then he, as soon as he split them, then he says, my prayer is for my family members, for that camp, because Hashem has promised him, He's say Hashem has said to him, Hashem didn't promise him that he's going to have all these cattle and he's going to have all the riches. That's not part of Hashem's promise. What Hashem did promise him I'll do good with you, which means that he will protect him, that he won't, that Asa won't be able to harm him. So it is only after that he split between the two to make it clear what he was praying for. And as we see in the, uh, this is already in the uh, second uh, talk that the Rebbe talks about, we see that he he's prayed to Hashem. He says, Kotoiti, I have become small. What does it mean, small? I've become undeserving, like he says. Kotoiti, I've become undeserving. Because of all the kindness and all of the truth that Hashem has done for me, so I've been diminished. I've been diminished, meaning... I don't deserve so much anymore because God has been so kind and so good to me that I've received already in a way more than I deserve. 
You see, Yaakov was very grateful to Hashem for everything that he had. He was grateful to Hashem for all of his protection that he did have. And he didn't think that you owe it to me. He didn't think that Hashem gave it to him and needs to give it to him. He has to give it. You know, the Gemara says there's sometimes people can come to Hashem and say, Hashem, you owe it to me. I did what you told it to me. I behaved and I've done. Sometimes we come to Hashem and we say to Hashem, listen, I don't deserve, you don't owe me anything, but I'm asking you just for your kindness. I'm asking you just to be generous with me. Give me tzedakah. Give me tzedakah. In other words, undeserving. There is mishpat utzedakah. And actually the verse says mishpat utzedakah b'yakov atosis. There is Yaakov essentially could have mishpat, could say to Hashem, you owe it to me. But he says, katonti. His approach is tzedakah, in this case. Katonti mikola chasodim. Now, notice he says, what specifically? He says, ki bimakli avarti All that I had when I came over to my brother, Yaakov, uh, Lovam, when I came to my uncle Lovam, I came with a stick. We know the story, Eliphaz chased him, he took away everything that he owned. So what did he come with? He came with a stick. And what is he leaving? His uncle, he has this whole two camps, he says. So he was grateful. He was grateful. And he says that Hashem, look what you've done for me. I came with nothing. I had zero. And look what I had now. The Alta Rebbe, when he was freed from prison, we're going to be celebrating next week on Yutas Kislev. And by the way, tomorrow, Yud Gimel tonight, tomorrow's Yudal is the Rebbe's wedding, so we have a lot of special days, Rebbe's anniversary. Yeah. But Yutas Kislev, the Alta Rebbe, when he writes his letter, going out from uh, prison, he also says, I've been diminished because of all the kindness that Hashem has done for me. That is the sense of gratefulness, humility, even though the Yaakov, the Alta Rebbe, they had justification to say to Hashem, we haven't done anything wrong. We've had Mesiris Nefesh for Yiddishkeit. Yaakov raised the family despite all the difficulties in a very difficult environment under Lovan. Yaakov says, no, Kotoyti. He says, I'm diminished, I'm small. Altarebbe says, you know, I've been diminished. That's one interpretation. But then Rashi gives another interpretation that Yaakov took this stick and he actually split the Jordan. That shows 
on tremendous amount of strength and a level that he can take a stick and split the Jordan River. A miracle at the highest level. So what does that mean? So the Rebbe explains it in the second uh, Sicha is that true humility sometimes you have to ask somebody, give me tzedakah. Give me charity. Why? Because I don't deserve it. Yes, Hashem, give me charity. But it's a whole different level when you really do deserve and yet you say, give me charity. Which means if you actually don't deserve and you say, give me charity, okay, because you don't deserve, so you need charity. So if you turn to Hashem and you say, give me charity, I don't deserve, but still, give me your kindness. But Yaakov was in a level that he can split the sea. And still, it didn't get to his head. Still, he said he reached the highest level. Rebbe brings down, there's two verses that are hinted in the word Kibemakli. From the uh, from the teachings of the Middle Rebbe, um, this is actually from the um, this is from who is the source for this? Uh, Shaloh. I'm sorry. This is from the Shaloh. So the Shaloh says that these words Kibemakli have a the words in them of Baruch Kvod Hashem im Komo, Kivisi Hashem. Sometimes we say Lishu Atcha Kivisi Hashem. I hope for your salvation, God. You know, you turn to Hashem and you say, I hope to you that you are going to protect me. Sometimes we take from a very higher place, which means if we turn to Hashem, even though we have a demand, we have a complaint, we have a right, and still we say to Hashem, do for us a kindness, then is when you get really from the highest of the places of the blessing that come to. You know, trying to bring this out in our own lives, we always have times that we pray to Hashem for certain things in our lives. Maybe we want a shidduch, for ourselves, we want a shidduch for our children. Maybe somebody's not well, somebody needs blessing for health. And maybe somebody needs a blessing for, for Parnassah. What do we learn from this? How are we supposed to ask for Hashem? A lot of times people get a feeling, why me? Why do I have to suffer? Why am I any worse than... All my friends, am I, why am I, why is it so difficult for me? Why don't I have, why don't I have the, uh, the good fortune? So you can come to Hashem and say, why, why me? You can demand from Hashem and say, you know, I've been trying to do the best I can. But here we learn from Yaakov and from the prayer and from the Alter Rebbe, the level of Katonti. 
the level of being diminished. To come to Hashem and say to Hashem, feeling grateful for all the great blessings that Hashem has given us. You know, like I said, sometimes a person is in a room which is beautifully tiled and everything is exquisite. It looks so beautiful. And he says, hey, you know what? There's one little tile that has a chip. You know, somebody went and did over your kitchen and made it a beautiful, beautiful kitchen. It's a, a work of art. And then you say, oh, you find one little blemish. And then you say, oh, look how terrible. But lazy. Look. Look how beautiful the whole people, a lot of times, they forget all the good things that Hashem has given them, what He's done for them, and what He's given them. So the better way is instead of coming to Hashem and saying, you owe it to me, is to say to Hashem, I thank you for everything. Feeling grateful, as you know, feeling grateful, feeling thankful, actually your prayers to Hashem can be answered even in a more powerful, in a more immediate, in a more in a quicker way. Uh, the Alta Rebbe writes this letter that he's become diminished because when Hashem shows somebody kindness, that means you become closer to Hashem. And the closer you are to Hashem, the less you feel your own self, your own selfish, sometimes foolish needs. You know, sometimes you... And the reason that people fight, you have, uh, here it's with Esau, but why do people fight? Is because they're very much into their own needs, what their physical standing and their needs and their envy and other different kinds of emotions that people have. But when you become grateful and when you become humble, and you thank Hashem for everything that He's given you. And this is really, I mean, what I, many times, you know, as a rabbi, you know, people come and they tell me their service, and, you know, I hear, I feel for them, but there's a lot of times, there's nothing you can do really about it, you know, there's, people have struggles, you can feel bad, but, so what do you, what are you, what do you tell, what do you tell people who are really having challenges. What do you, how do you make them feel better? I mean, you can't change this situation, but how do you make them feel better so that they shouldn't feel so, uh, so down, so, so hurt? So the only thing you can say, what I find is, you tell them, focus on the good things that you have. Of course, we all have good and we all have bad. It depends what we choose to focus on. Focus on the good things and be grateful for them. And you'll see, you'll see that when you focus on the good things that you have to be grateful for, that will alleviate some of your pain and some of the disappointments that you feel. And in the words of the Rebbe that we learned in the Rebbe's letter is, don't focus, don't think those thoughts that make you feel bad, that make you feel down, because that's only 
serves that serves the purpose of getting you further down. That's not going to help or change anything. That's not going to make any difference. Feeling bad for yourself, feeling sorry for yourself, you know, feeling of of of, of guilt or feeling disappointments. That's not going to help you in any way. That's feeling grateful, feeling thankful. Like Yaakov, Yes, you take on the challenges that you have. You have to fight those challenges that you have. Sometimes you got to spend money. You got to give a gift. And you pray to Hashem. And then you hope to Hashem that Hashem will better your life and your situation. The Rebbe seems to say in many places that once you recognize that this is all a test, that this is all something to get you, to get the point, then the challenge disappears. Then actually, there's no more tzuris. There's only uh, blessings. So with that, I'll conclude. wish that everybody that we experience uh, Rebbe's anniversary coming up, real joy and happiness and that we should have excitement in our lives. And uh, the Rebbe's wedding should be the prompter for Samchas in our families, and then coming up to redemption, Yutas Kislev. And this will all bring about the true and Samcha of coming of Mashiach, the Meher of Thank you. That's it for